Brisker, and this is Music Therapy. Welcome. I'm a musician based here in Chicago, Illinois, and I'm also a licensed clinical professional counselor. Hey, Angel. Uh, we'll have you on in a second. So today I've got Fire Tools on, uh, Angel McCloyd, and I'm very, very excited to talk to her. Um, I'm going to start out with a quick introduction to the show, let some more people hop on, and then uh, we'll get to talking. So let's see. Music Therapy is a show I started uh, towards the beginning of the pandemic to offer a space uh, for mental health support and kind of create a place where creatives could come together and hang out and listen to each other and share stories and, you know, it sort of evolved into talking about a combination of mental health issues and uh, career stuff for creatives, uh, creativity itself, um, and just kind of wherever the conversation takes us. So I'm interested to see where, where we end up today. Um, Let's see, a couple things I wanted to talk about. Uh, this Halloween, well, October 30th, not Halloween. Friday, October 30th, Music Therapy presents Halloween Therapy. It's going to be a streaming show on Instagram, and I have a huge list of amazing Chicago artists um, who are all going to do cover songs, and it's going to be really fun. It's going to be a hang. So please tune in. I'll have information on that on my page. And... Uh, yeah, I think that's it for kind of startup stuff. I'm going to play my song that I, I was open with this song, so let me uh, play one. This is one I wrote during the pandemic. It's called I Miss You, My Friends. And then we'll have Angel on. Okay. I miss you, my friends. But it's not the end. Somehow 
thanks for listening. So, I'm not going to waste any more time. Uh, let's get Angel on here. So, Angel, you just request to join. And we'll get you on and we'll, we'll start talking. So, for everyone who's just joining, I've got Angel Markloid of Fire Tools and we're connecting. Hi. Hello. How are you? Good. Good. Thank yeah. you so much for being on the show. Yeah, you're welcome. Sometimes there's a, as you can imagine, there's a delay between us. So mm -hmm. if it ever feels like I'm talking, if I interrupt you, it's not on purpose sometimes. Definitely. Yeah, I edit um, podcasts um, regularly. So I'm always dealing with this. <laughs> Are there, is there like a certain podcast that you work um, with? I, yeah, I do. I, I actually don't really like doing it except for this one client. So I used to try to find clients, but um, now I kind of don't want any more. But I, I edit for a podcast called Buddha at the Gas Pump. Uh -huh. it's, like, um, it's like a spiritual podcast. It's like interfaith, like all traditions. Um, uh, my friend just interviews different authors and teachers and therapists and, you know, shamans or, you know, whatever uh -huh. it is. Yeah. I would imagine it's kind of tedious uh, editing podcasts, especially if you don't care for the content that much. Yeah, that's the thing. That's the thing. Um, it's not very creative. I don't get very creative. I'm just kind of cleaning up audio and editing out people coughing and stuff like that. So it's not, uh -huh. um, I don't get to really express myself in any way. And um, yeah, so it's not the funnest thing because I think I'm addicted to being creative or something. Is that a source of income for you doing that podcast or is that more of a favor? Um, well, it's actually for a nonprofit, so I don't charge them that much, but I uh -huh. do mixing and mastering for a living. That's my full-time job. And so I was kind of editing podcasts uh, underneath that mm -hmm. uh, company, um, but now now I'm just focusing on mixing and mastering and then like production or composition for people who need music for whatever reason. Okay. That's cool. Well, that's something that I'm always really interested to ask people about is what, you know, in addition to doing your own music, what your day to day looks like. I've kind of anchored a lot of these conversations and what did your life look like before the pandemic and what it looked like after, but now it's been so, so long. This is just, sort of the way of life now that it almost feels like what what is your what is your day to day what is, what does this week look like can you give us an overview of how you yeah. spend an average week yeah well you know what before the pandemic my life was very very close to what it is now uh-huh um so i guess that tells you a lot as far as how often i go out um and that's a problem i want to go out more um but it's kind of hard to now. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but I, um, let's say this week is the same as most weeks where I'll be spending the daytime probably in my little studio here, uh, working on projects for mostly other people, but also for myself. Um, I get out of bed pretty early and relax for a while before I do that. And there's plenty of relaxation after I'm done doing that. Um, so it's a pretty peaceful life. Um, 
internally not so peaceful sometimes, but externally it's uh, very nice. <laughs> um, I used to live in the city, but now I live outside the city in the in the boonies on the edge of Chicagoland. So um, I I actually do spend time outside a lot more than I did when I was living in the city. Um, so yeah, in the morning I'll like sit out on the front stoop and drink coffee and watch the squirrels and the birds and there's a neighborhood cat named Steve that comes and visits me every couple days in the morning so we hang out and I watch him try to chase squirrels and he's terrible at it he'll never <laughs> catch one no matter how much he tries um, so yeah that's really my day-to-day -day. I mean if there weren't a pandemic I'd probably be sampling all the restaurants in this town and uh, I'm really itching like a suburban mall vibe I've yeah. been missing it a lot. I feel like I need to like go to like a hot topic once a year to stay sane. Uh -huh. um, and I haven't been able to do that, but if there weren't a pandemic, I'd probably be doing that. I know a lot of people are doing stuff like that anyway, and that's fine, but I don't know. <laughs> I'd rather play it a little safer if I can. If I can. Yeah. So yeah. what was your reason for moving from more, more in the city to outside the city? I'm not a city person, really. Um, I have a hard time with the pace and the density, uh, the lack of nature, and uh, people's temperament tends to be uh, more aggressive, defensive, mm -hmm. maybe just like even just moody. <laughs> and I, I'm moody too, but um, that's why I need this where I live now. Um, it's very good for me, stress-wise, um, and the city was definitely affecting that a lot. I realized a couple months after moving here, I was just like, wow, my stress levels in general have just, like, plummeted. Uh -huh. And I don't like to rely on external circumstances to determine my inner state. I mean, I know that's how it is with everybody to whatever extent, but I, I really... I really would would rather not rely because you know who knows what could happen you know maybe maybe my neighbors will end up being crazy or something you know so I want to be able to be stable regardless but at the same time I gotta admit moving out here was uh, uh, I was really overdue for it um, so it's a big relief that's good yeah so it sounds like you really try to regulate your inner state to not be impacted by external circumstances, is that right? Yeah, I try to, I guess. I mean, it's inevitable, and there's only so much regulation you can do. I mean, mm -hmm. feelings arise whether you want them to or not. Thoughts come in whether you want them to or not. I mean, you can over time train your, your brain, and certain thoughts may not come up as much, but when they do, it, it just happens. So, you know, you need to be able to handle them. And uh, yeah, I would say I'm constantly working on that. Um, I get exhausted working on that. Um, yeah. But that's how I know I'm pushing too hard. So yeah. When those I are happening. On and on. <laughs> with, with what? I could just go on and on about all of that. So. That, that's great. That's what. <laughs> yeah. Well, you could you should direct me a little bit though, or else I'll just okay. take over the whole stream, and we'll be going for probably three hours. So, <laughs> um, well, I wanted to. 
I mean, for those who are who have joined after I did the intro, I'm a Chicago musician, but I'm also a licensed therapist. So I kind of combined those two things for this show to be kind of a, a therapy space for creatives, and that can branch out in a whole different way, a lot of different ways. But one thing I'm interested in is careers of musicians and creatives and kind of where you're at, how you came to that, where you want to be, if you're, if you are where you want to be. I think that is really interesting. It's interesting to me. And I think it's interesting to a lot of people who are, who really want their, uh, their artwork to be an integral part of their lives. Um, but I'm also interested in you had, you know, we had checked in before we did before doing the show, you had said, you know, therapy has been a big part of your life um mm -hmm. for a while now and so part of this is also to give people space to to whatever degree you're comfortable with to share your own experience about therapy and and your own experience with your own mental health and so that i'm going to kind of open up and let you talk a little bit but, but maybe i'll talk to you about the uh career stuff first is that okay yeah mm -hmm. so i mean it sounds like you definitely have you know established yourself as uh, it sounds to me like pretty fully into a career of music, both your own music and then doing mixing uh, and, and engineering for other people. Mm -hmm. composing. Yeah. Yeah. I always thought that music wouldn't provide um, enough for me because I've always just been into like weirder stuff uh -huh. and it's never been an, I've never had an intention to rebel. I have no, no desire to go against any grain. If the grain is, if I like the grain, you know, so I don't mean to be this way, but for some reason, I just always into the weird stuff and always taking something that could be otherwise normal and making it weird. And um, I just always assumed that that wouldn't provide because, um, you know, when I was growing up, there was a lot of pressure uh, in the music industry to appease the audience and um, I mean, for good reason, if you wanted to make a career out of it, like you, you know, play songs people want to hear and, and, you know, be professional and face the audience and look at them and connect with them and put on a show and, you know, uh, so I've always had a really hard time with all of those things. So I just kind of thought, I'll just do something else for a living and just do music as my hobby. And that's kind of what I'm doing, but at, you know, when I look, if I look at like numbers, like actual like dollars and cents, um, music makes up um, probably probably a third of my income, whereas the other the other stuff is another two thirds. When you and say music, do you mean your music? Yeah, like my my own music as fire tools or okay. whatever. Mm -hmm you know, moniker, like my own original music that I'm not doing for other people. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's crazy to me because I never thought that would ever be the case. I always thought that I would have some little following uh, in the underground. Well, it is kind of in the grand scheme, a little following in the underground, but I don't know. I'm, my mind's just blown that I'm able to make the kind of music I make. And I actually get, you know, like, is a, de a decent amount of attention like uh -huh. in publications like that wasn't even a thing for so long in my life like nobody ever like wrote a thing about me so um so i'm not really sure like if music ends up sort of taking over 
of mm -hmm. my career and it pushes out the mixing and mastering work mm -hmm. like i'm okay with that because like my number one love is obviously making music i just want to sit around all day and make my own music i would just mm -hmm. love to do that so we'll see what happens but i really love doing audio engineering too like i've developed developed such a passion for it and it's become so nuanced and like it's never ending the discovery and learning and training and everything so um i would be also perfectly fine if that was like my career so so what was your exposure if any to the, you know making music or the music industry when you were kind of growing up or coming up uh well my parents weren't musicians but they were really supportive um i mean we weren't we didn't have a whole lot of money but they saw potential in me so they mm -hmm. invested in you know trying to help me so you know when i was young i got a decent drum set and mm -hmm. i got a decent guitar you know, i had a bass for a while um they kind of just paid attention to me and what i was like maybe good at and then tried to to just like go with that so like i guess the first thing they noticed is that i was a drummer like i had rhythm i'm beating on pots and pans and stuff in the uh -huh. house playing along to like boston and rush and whatever they were listening to zeppelin or uh -huh. something um and they're like okay we need to get a drum set like this looks like something is brewing you know because uh -huh. i'm like three and i like know when the changes come and i'm you know i hit the the pots right when the drummer on the radio hits the crash cymbals and my parents are like oh light bulb uh -huh. so i started doing that but like i was you know I, i've also uh, never been one to focus on one thing i can't it's impossible so it's like oh i want to make melodic stuff happen too so i want to play guitar and i had a keyboard too and i would play that for hours and hours so it was kind of everything all at once. I, I definitely didn't get everything I wanted, but like if my dad saw that I was being held back because I didn't have a better like guitar or like, yeah. or something like that. Or if like, I like for a while I was teaching myself double kick, like fast double kick, like uh -huh. so like metal and stuff on a single pedal. Uh -huh. And I would put my two tiny little feet on one pedal and like do this. And you know, my dad was just like, all right, I guess we got to get a double pedal because like this needs to happen. We got to help it happen. Yeah. So that was kind of my music upbringing. And then I guess when I was like in my, just getting into my double digits, uh -huh. like other people kind of, well, older than me, but not that much older than me would sort of like pop in to my life as like being good at guitar or something like that. So I met this, well, I think I was like, I might've been nine or 10 or something. And I'm pretty sure he was like 12 or 13 or something. This guy, Andrew Sinewick, he's still playing music. He's been, he's done a lot of stuff. He has credits on Frozen. That's like my favorite thing in his uh -huh. repertoire. But like he lived near me and um, we started playing music together and we were like learning like dream theater songs and like Rush songs and Rage Against the Machine and Candlebox and stuff and and we were just like two little kids but like I I don't know we were kind of like born with maybe some like natural abilities to mm -hmm. like develop talents like early on I don't know what that is 
it's weird but um so we were doing that for a while but there was just i was too young for the music industry i think and you know i started feeling all this pressure to like play what people wanted to hear and not what i wanted to play what do you mean by that you started to feel pressure from from anybody outwardly or from yourself well there was a natural pressure from the music industry i guess and i'm also i'm also trying not to like call out my parents because they were doing what they 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 wanted to help me want to support me and did everything they thought they should be doing i mean they did their best they they saw the potential and they were like well you got to start impressing people you got to get attention of people who can you know back you up like you you need a band of musicians that are you know like at your level and you need like maybe a manager and you know, just kind of, they just, they were just doing what they could to like help me along so that right. I wasn't just playing in the basement, like playing like weird music all day uh, for no one, you know, not making any money, not having a crowd. Um, yeah. They, you know, they, they saw that potential and wanted to, to help it grow. And there was a lot of resistance from me because I always just wanted to do what I wanted to do. Uh -huh. And I never stopped being like that. I still haven't. And you know, I, I can't not do that. I feel like for the rest of my life, I'm going to be a brat and I'm not going to be able to like do pop. I just can't. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I might be like, like so much like better off financially if I did maybe because if I started, if I, if I'm like 10 years old and I'm like, you know, I'm sloppy, uh, but I'm playing along with like prog rock and stuff yeah. like like if I would have just like made some better decisions, like I might, you know, it, my life might be a lot different, but, um, at the so, same time, I'm glad I didn't do that. Cause I wouldn't be as happy probably. Yeah. So, okay. I'm curious for you, you said it, your, your total income about a third of it these days is coming from your own music. And if I can ask what, what is the main source there? Is it downloads? Is it touring? Is it, Where's it's the bulk of that coming from? It's just like everything together. I'm not even sure what's dominating. Um, okay. But downloads, just physical sales. Uh -huh. um, I don't really tour that much. And obviously I'm not touring now, but yeah. I did, you know, tour for a little over a week uh, this past December. And yeah, shows and just, just whatever, um, whatever artists can do I guess um but I don't um I don't push like merch and 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 selling stuff as far as my music like very hard um and I'm trying to like change that so I've done a couple big runs of t-shirts for two different projects of mine recently to try to like to try to make my music my income you know it yeah being on Twitter and being annoying about my new shirts, telling people they're available over and over again is like a way for me to not have to like work a day job somewhere. Yeah. If I had to get a day job where I'm living now, I don't know. I don't know how easy or fun that would be. <laughs> is there a risk of that? I mean, it sounds like you've got a lot of work. No, I don't think there's a risk of that right now. Um, I've had some dry spells, but they've been really brief. Um, yeah it's not crazy but it's it's steady 
Um, but I'm also in a growth period. Like, um, I, I honestly need to be charging more, but with that, I need to get better and mm -hmm. I need to upgrade gear and just, it's just a big, it's a big growth period. Like I'm not where I want to be. I mean, I'm happy where I'm at, but like, you know, my goal is to, you know, be really super good at this and like be working for bigger bands and stuff like that. So with mixing, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. How do you get your clients? Is there a, a dominant channel, word of mouth or advertising? Or it's pretty much word of mouth. Uh -huh. That's dominant. I mean, I get, I get website inquiries like uh, a couple of times a week, I guess. Um, and most of those uh, come through uh, with a, a project, but so much of it is word of mouth because, I mean, I have an advantage because I'm I'm an artist that's like, you know, releasing music, and so anybody who well, not everybody who listens to my music knows this, but a whole lot of them know this because they just find out about it in looking for my music mm -hmm. that I do this work. Yeah. So my my music is promoting my business and vice yeah. versa. I mean, I've got people who have heard records I've worked on for other people and then they end up checking out my music uh -huh. like through going to my business website. So it's really cool that they support each other. And I think, I really just think running my mouth on Twitter like mm -hmm. kind of gets me business, which is sad because I'm, I don't know, my my Twitter self isn't my favorite self, but, <laughs> but, um, I haven't done much advertising. I've done a little and it's all failed. I've wasted like $800 advertising. So we'll see. I'll, I'll try to get better at that. So, yeah, I mean, what is your, I'm trying to think of where I want to, I have a general sense. I'm kind of thinking about so many hats that musicians wear, where it's not just making music or even mixing their own music, but promoting it mm -hmm. and doing Twitter and Instagram and all that. You said it's not your favorite self. What do you mean? Uh, there's just something, there's something about social networking that, um, and it's not, it's not all social networking. It's who we are. Um, it's our personalities and, you know, we're making decisions, but it's like, I don't know. Sometimes I just look at stuff I've posted and I, I just hear this like tone in my head. That's like, nye, 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 nye. <laughs> <laughs> and I just like, I'm always deleting tweets. Cause I'm just like, Angel, you sound like a dick. Like, shut up. <laughs> um, so, but it, there's something about the, the platform and platforms like that, that like make it easier for people to do that. Um, and there's plenty of psychology behind that. And I have conversations about it all the time. And, you know, I know, so there, there are people I know specifically that like I have, um, that I've not blocked, but like unfollowed. So I don't see them in my feed on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. that are like always dicks on Twitter but like yeah. I love them as people and they're like really nice good people but I just yeah. like yeah I don't know um social networking is weird like I really I really want to be my true self on social networking I want to be the same person I am in this house on Twitter 
Um, actually, maybe that's a bad idea. I don't know. I just want to be genuine <laughs> and authentic. And I guess if I am being a jerk on Twitter, I am being authentic because that's a part of me. But um, I don't know. I'm, I'm a little bit dissatisfied with my temperament and how I express myself um, a lot of times. I'm a little bit kind of a little bit nasty sometimes or just a little bit kind of like harsh but like this sort of like small amount that's just kind of like eh. yeah know. a little edge <laughs> yeah so okay i mean from some of the things you said just a small amount of things that you've said i get the feeling that you're more of a are you more of an introverted person i have qualities of both depending on the situation um when it comes to to crowds or or groups of people i tend to be really introverted but i also really like to connect deeply with people so like um you know like i'm fine with doing this this is this is great and i know people are watching it uh so and that doesn't really bother me so much um, and I'm willing to kind of talk about anything you want to talk about. But like, if I'm out and about, I like kind of don't even want to be bothered. And I don't really go after social activity, like by choice, like hardly ever. Like mm -hmm. there's a show I want to go to or a show I'm playing. Or I want to like eat at a restaurant or I want to go walk in a park and there's a lot of people there. That That's like one thing because it's just incidental. But like, I don't like ever want to particularly do that. Um, I'd rather be in a park alone. I'd rather, you know, that's just like my style, <laughs> like serenity, I guess. Um, uh, so I guess it's just kind of both. Yeah. Like I have friends that I like really get into some super deep shit with on a regular basis. But, but if I'm in a show, I'm probably backstage like hiding. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, let me let, let me segue to kind of the therapy and mental health side of things. Um, I'm interested to hear more about your experience with that. So you had told me that, you know, when I first reached out to you, you're like, I love therapists. I've been in therapy for a long time. Mm -hmm. What what is your experience with therapy been? And obviously, it's comfortable as much as you're comfortable sharing. But I'm just going to leave it kind of open. That question kind of open. Yeah. Um my experiences with therapy have been mostly positive um you know there's been a few things that i i guess like didn't like um but most of the time people have been great um there was one appointment i had when i first moved to chicago from maryland where i grew up mm -hmm. um i had like one meeting with a therapist um and i like really really wasn't vibing with her. She seemed really sort of conservative and like sort of concerned, like overly concerned about me, like kind of seemed to get this idea that I was like really troubled, like in an extreme kind of way. And, yeah. and like, I don't know, I was talking to her about anxiety and stuff. And she, you know, I, I asked her about like possibly a medication and I guess, you know, you know, for all she knows, I'm, I might have been, you know, seeking, drug seeking or something, but I like asked about that. 
and she like got really concerned and was just like do you smoke any marijuana and I was just like yeah I do and she was like um the like I, I think she, in a roundabout way she was just like you have to quit and take a drug test before I'll give you any medication and or I'll, before I refer to the um what is it the psychiatrist um refer you to her for any medication and I thought that was kind of harsh especially because yeah. it's just cannabis um and she didn't really know me and it was like the first appointment and I don't know it was just bad vibes but that yeah. was like one experience out of I think I've had like five, maybe five other therapists yeah. throughout my life. And um, they've all been great. Um, some challenge me more than others. Huh. The ones that haven't really challenged me um, did still help me, but not, not really too much. I think they just thought I needed to talk. Um, but then some of them would really push me. And occasionally I would like feel upset by them because they, they it would just be challenging it they were yeah. making me face something you know yeah and those were the most transformative experiences um are you comfortable sharing any of the the reasons you might have started or continued going to therapy yeah yeah well uh when i was in my late teens um Actually, when I was in my early teens, I, well, and even in my childhood, but in my early teens is when I started to like reflect on my own behavior. And I was like, you know, I, I felt like that I just had a lot of pain inside and I had a lot of problems with depression and occasionally acting out, like losing my temper. And, but my, my temper tantrums were always like really emotional though. There was like a lot of crying. It, it wasn't... A, so um like angry as much as they were like anger mixed with sadness and and I guess when in my early teens I just had this idea like I'm gonna grow out of this like I'm getting older like I'm gonna level out I see people level out all the time mm -hmm. um when they get older they they stop acting like this and then in my late teens you know still doing it um occasionally like just getting triggered by just all sorts of little things that aren't really that abnormal to to anybody in their teen years but um i was just like i need help like this is not normal like i'm like freaking out on at my parents or on my friends or my partner um like i'm i'm like snapping and like you know yelling and like occasionally like breaking something uh -huh. and that's bad um <laughs> it's really bad and you know um so so i i kind of encouraged my parents to get me into therapy and um yeah i started doing that and um i think my first therapist didn't really challenged me at all but it was still such a relief to be able to like talk to a therapist like mm -hmm. at all that I feel like it was like so much so much weight got lifted um but she never was like you know what was your childhood like or you know she wasn't ever like um she didn't seem to really care to get to the roots of anything she kind of yeah. just wanted me to like 
wanted to do surface work and I don't know whether she was building up to something deeper or getting a feel for me or not but it was just a lot of like trying to change this behavior and not very much trying to see what the root of that behavior is so later on in life as I moved around and changed insurance plans or whatever you know I ended up getting way deeper with therapists Uh um after that weird experience with the anti-cannabis lady um I started seeing another therapist and she was just like like buddhisming me the whole time without mentioning the buddha at all Uh and probably because she didn't want to like bring religion into it but it's like I later on discovered buddhism and I'm like learning about I'm like oh my god like everything my therapist is like talking to me about is just like is this so that brings me to a question I wanted to ask are you do you like Eckhart Tolle oh my god yeah like he's he's incredible yeah I mean that's so much of my progress has come from those teachings I Uh feel like um Mm -hmm. I got started with Buddhism like inadvertently through my therapist but Buddhism I would say brought me probably to Eckhart Tolle and then from there you know I started you know learning about the Bhagavad Gita and the Upanishads and and then Sufism and mm-hmm. now I'm on a m- mystical contemplative Christianity kick uh-huh. and also getting really into the law of one I'm not sure if you know what that is but it's um, incredible and it's it all aligns it all agrees with each other. It's just like 12 beautiful different colored paths all kind of leading to like the same ultimate sort of ideas just in different languages. And that just like, that just energizes the shit out of me. Like, so I'm just like, um, my therapy and spirituality have been like totally intertwined. They're like the same thing really. Have you ever looked at A Course in Miracles? I see, I almost, I didn't say that because I already said mystical Christianity and I didn't want to keep saying things that maybe you didn't know I was talking about, but yeah, I mean, I've, it's right over there. <laughs> I like A Course in Miracles is absolutely mind blowing. Yeah. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah. That's cool. So mm-hmm. that sounds like that was really um, kind of groundbreaking for you. and. Uh, you know, I, I feel aligned with you and some of that stuff. I think it kind of blew my mind too. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel, are you, are you in therapy now? Yeah, I am. My current therapist is, I don't think that she's super spiritually inclined or if she is, she like doesn't talk about it. Yeah. But, you know, I take everything I get from therapy and you know, it's all, it's all intertwined, even if the therapist is not going into that. I don't really know how to find a therapist who like, is spiritual to the point where it's like part of their therapy. Like, I don't even yeah. know how to like search. I've never found, I've, I've only just gotten lucky and happened to find somebody who was like into something. Uh-huh. So yeah, I've, I mean, a therapist who was like, like, you know, into the A Course in Miracles, that you know, sign me up. I would consider switching therapists. <laughs> there's, I mean, there's a handbook for therapists in A Course in Miracles. Yeah, I know. I haven't looked at that part yet, but yeah. 
Um, any, to any of the viewers also, please feel free to, you know, pop in some thoughts or questions if you have any. But um, what's, well, here, here's a question. I mean, what are you, what are you focusing on like right now in therapy? Is there something in particular? Um, yeah. Yeah, basically just, it's just kind of like healing, processing pain and stuff. And, and also, um, I, I have a lot of issues with like safety and security and just like feeling generally unsafe, like in so many situations, sometimes sort of in an existential way and sometimes in a more like immediate way. Um, and that affects everything that I do. Um, and we're just kind of working on that, like incorporating like bits of exposure therapy and bits of uh, like going into, um, I don't know, just going into it. Just a lot of, just a lot of talking about it. We, we don't have a specific, um, like method that we're following at the moment i don't think i mean it's kind of just dialectal how do you feel how do you feel that that feeling or that that insecurity impacts you it's kind of more specifically um well it definitely affects my day-to-day um because i mean it's uh, it manifests in so many different ways it's everything from like like loud noises, mm-hmm. like freak me out and like piss me off. Like it's really strange, but I'll like get angry. Like uh-huh. earlier today, like like um, our food delivery like knocked really hard on the door, and I'm just like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> and and it's everything from that to like being out in in public, uh-huh. just kind of scares the shit out of me because yeah. like even 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 like weird looks or like a look and a whisper or a little kid, like mommy, mommy, what's that? Like, you know, it's, it's so, you know, after all these years of looking like a weirdo, whether it was, you know, before I came out as trans and I wasn't dressing as feminine, I was still, I still was, I still looked like a clown. I mean, I still, I was like wearing leggings and like I'm always like mismatching patterns and colors like that's just like how I roll mm-hmm. and like <laughs> so the attention has always been so grating and you know growing up people would be like well if you don't want to be stared at if you don't want to be messed with like why do you look like that and I'm just like I don't know <laughs> I have to look like this um so it was just a lifetime of that you know, building up and not coping properly, not processing it. Like I've been bullied and harassed so many times in my life. And when I was really young and it would happen, it's very strange. I had no idea that I never processed it or told anybody about it until way later in my life. You know, my therapist is talking with me. She's like, well, did you tell anybody when you got beat up? And I was just like, like, I don't know, wait a minute. And I'm like texting my mom, like, did I ever tell you I, my ass got kicked oh, in middle man. school by that dude? And that's why I wanted you to pick me up and stuff, blah, blah, blah. And she's like, no, I, you oh. never told me about anything like that happening to you. And I'm just like, oh my God. 
this whole time I've just been bottling up and pushing it down and I wasn't even realizing it because I didn't know better. So it's like, you got to imagine like after doing that for so long, like now I'm in my thirties and it's just like an anvil on me. It's just like baked into my, my neurology now, you know, it's, um, I mean, it's PTSD, you know, it's, it's not, it's not as horrible as it is for a lot of people, but, you know, I don't like to, I don't like to even say that, that term. I, I don't want to like hog the, the, um, importance when there's people out there that have been you know seen people get murdered and stuff like that which i haven't so but at the same time that's basically what it is to some degree a lot of developmental mm -hmm. ptsd and just like not coping properly with certain things and pushing things down and like just kind of like the the perils of being like different from all your friends in some mm -hmm. way and and how that how what that can do to a body and a mind for many years before before you wake up to it so yeah that's what i'm doing now is just trying to heal and grow from all that shit. yeah yeah do you feel like any of this i'm sure it comes out because this is you and you're making your music but do you ever consciously direct any of this work or this energy to your music yeah um i guess that's all my music is in some way uh-huh um, yeah, and I, you know, anything that I'm writing lyrics for, or that, you know, has vocals, um, I can only really write about what's on my mind, what I'm dealing with. It might, it might look pretty esoteric or cryptic or something, but it's, um, you know, it's always where I'm coming from right at the moment. So every time I release an album, it's about stuff that I got over six months ago. <laughs> uh -huh. And then probably writing that album helped me do that. And that's why every time an album comes out, I'm like, yeah, but you got to hear my new stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. You, you have something new about to come out. Is that right? Yeah. A couple singles have uh, dropped, but um, October 30th, my new record as non-local forecast will be officially out. Um, there's a couple songs up now, but the rest of them will be up on the 30th. Uh, there's a record and a CD of it. It's my second album under that project. So what would you say have been some themes that have been kind of baked into that album that's about to come out? Well, non-local forecasts, you know, I just got through telling you I put everything going on with me into it. But that project, um, I kind of purposely keep it pretty light. Mm -hmm. um, there are themes of, there are spiritual themes, there's science themes too, like quantum physics and cosmology and okay. stuff. And I kind of, you know, do the whole new age thing where I try to tie them together. Um, but there's no vocals. So it's like in the song titles and stuff. Okay. Um, references to like in the holographic universe theory and the multiverse theories and stuff and non-duality buzzwords and stuff like that so i guess it's kind of like non local forecast feels like a like a decoration or something like something nice you put up to like get you in, in the spirit for something whereas fire tools is definitely more of a diary and a like catch-all for my emotional and mental barf uh-huh <laughs> yeah 
I like that. Uh, I like mm -hmm. all the descriptors you just used. Um, mm -hmm. I see someone men mentioned Richard Feynman in the chat. Yes. It's actually my husband who mentioned it. Okay, awesome. Thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> I love all the hearts coming up. So, I mean, I can, you know, see how much people are enjoying what you're saying. Um, mm -hmm. Let me kind of... So Instagram will cut us off after an hour, and that's generally when I end the thing anyway. Um, mm -hmm. But before we get to that point, uh, talking about you know quarantine, and you know you're saying your life really looks very similar to to what it did before. Although if any, if there was anything that you wanted to do more now, you can't do it. But yeah, just you know one of the questions I've asked a lot of people I've interviewed um, is. Are there certain things that you're doing or are there certain ways that you're adapting or ways you're thinking about things that's helping you cope and kind of get through this really strange time? Yeah, I think so. Um, yeah, I mean, I have to admit that, you know, I feel like most of us, most of us have been affected by fear relating to the pandemic in some way, whether it's fear of uh, losing work, fear of getting sick, fear of somebody you love getting sick or dying, or fear of the government and what they're doing and not doing, um, you know, so many different things. Um, and that's all affected me and my household, for sure, mm -hmm. in some way. Um, but... You know, I might not be the best person to ask because it's like, although I can't like go roam around the mall like I want to, um, you know, like my partner and I both work from home mm -hmm. and we have three cats and they all work from home. And like we live in an area where there's like a lot of open space um, and like the super, the you know, the, the grocery store, I said supermarket. Does anybody say supermarket anymore? The grocery store is like not like super packed and populated and stuff like that. So it's like, you know, if we couldn't like order things online, like, mm -hmm. like, you know, things we need for the house and stuff, like that would probably like make things a bit worse. But like, we've, we've just really kind of adapted. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, we would rather not have not be doing this you know but it's like it just hasn't been super difficult there's been these inconveniences like you know my partner couldn't go to a friend's wedding in Alabama or wherever it was or something Tennessee sorry Amanda um and like I don't know things like that like and and we're we're not as lax when we're we're out you know about mm -hmm. like you know where we go and what we do but it's like it really just hasn't been super hard. Um, so like a lot of, I'm doing plenty of coping. It's just not super pandemic related. I mean, and, there may be some I things. To, I just want to acknowledge really quick, like the insane privilege that I have because <clears throat> I haven't lost work, been mm. able to stay healthy. I, I, I don't work a job where I have to like be face to face with all kinds of people all the time. Yeah. Like, I'm able to, like, live, like, in a house kind of far away from, like, a dense population. Like, yeah. there's so much privilege here, it's disgusting. So I just have to acknowledge that. Like, I don't mean to brag, like, oh, my life's fine, actually, when other people are, like, 
when it's been much, much, much worse for other people. So it's like, I'm super grateful, but I'm also not trying to like brag about it, you know? I don't think anybody thinks you're trying to brag about it. Yeah, I guess I just like feel self-conscious about saying like, oh, pandemic is no biggie. No, I, I don't, I don't, I think everybody knows what you mean. Um, yeah. It would be ridiculous if somebody took that the wrong way. I know, that's true, that's true. <laughs> that, no, that's the truth. It's just, um, yeah, I guess that was a little bit of, um, you know, I don't know, something, some self-something, self-doubt, yeah. I don't know, self-consciousness. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad that, I'm glad that you guys are hanging in there. I'm, um, you've also got, I want to take the opportunity to share, you've got a show, a streaming show, or... On the 30th as well? Oh, yeah, that's right. I do, don't I? Um, yeah, I'm doing a live streaming thing for um, the Chicago Museum of Art. Um, yeah, like a Halloween thing. Hmm? The MCA, right? Yeah, MCA, yeah. Um, I'm doing like a couple smaller DJ sets, meaning I'm just going to be playing WAV files on my computer. And then uh -huh. also, <laughs> also, I set up all my gear in my bed. Uh, with a green screen so there'll be that's cool um there'll be a, a bedtime performance it's really it's really weird to sit and scream <laughs> <laughs> i that's so great it's been so great talking to you i really appreciate you being on the show but also you know you're just you're so open and you really shared a lot about your experience and i really appreciate hearing about that i know everybody else is too and uh i really look forward to your new music and is there any parting words or anything else you want to make sure to say to the people who are listening either now or later when I put it up as the podcast? Um, if anybody wants to get in touch with me and give me their email, I'll add them to my emailing list. It's kind of like my favorite way to like share stuff because it's kind of a digest and you don't have to like follow my social networks and like wait for separate posts about different things. Mm -hmm. So just find me on the internet somewhere and be like, add me and give me your email and I'll put you on there. Cool. Well, thank yeah. you. Yeah. And uh, for everybody watching, I'm, I'm Jessica Risker. I'm, I'm a musician, but I also do music therapy uh, about once a week or so next Saturday. Not this Saturday, but the following Saturday. I have Brianna Tong of Cordoba on. Uh, but you can follow me at uh, Instagram if you want to like get the notifications about that stuff. And then not to compete with your show, but I'm also doing a Halloween therapy show on the 30th, which I asked you to play, but you were already booked for what seems yeah, like a very cool show. So I can't blame you for that. Um, so uh, I hope you guys are all, everybody who's watching, I hope you guys are all hanging in there and doing well. And thank you so much for tuning in. If you missed any of it and you want to go back and listen more, it will be on, I'll save it to my IGTV. And then I also put them up on YouTube. And then eventually when I get to it in a few days, it will be up as a podcast uh, at your favorite podcast podcatcher i just learned that word mm. today uh the podcatcher uh so thank you guys i hope you're doing well thank you angel yep and uh have a good one yeah you too okay bye, bye.